Welcome to Vantage Point, a weekly podcast aimed to provide insight, perspective, and keys to daily living through the lens of God. We are so pleased you decided to tune in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Now, please welcome the host of Vantage Point, Nick Ruffin. another episode of Vantage Point. I want to say thank you to all my listeners. This week, thanks to your listening and sharing, we reached over 500 downloads. That means over 500 devices have played this podcast. I mentioned a few weeks ago we had listeners in Ireland and France. Well, I'm happy to say we have a listener all the way in Germany, so I want to give them a special shout out. Also to my listeners in Oklahoma, Texas, Illinois, and everywhere in the U.S., definitely thank you as well. If you listen on Apple, I want you to make sure to rate the podcast and share a review. It's always good to hear how it's impacting you and anything else you have for us. I also want to give another opportunity to submit leadership questions through our website or Facebook page. You can go to Facebook and just search at Vantage Point Podcast, or you can go to our website, www.vantagepointpodcast.us, and click the contact button to submit your question. At the halfway point of this series, I want to take time to answer those questions. And once again, that website is www.vantagepointpodcast.us. I want to jump right into week two of Masterclass Lessons in Leadership. I mentioned last week we'd be using different resources throughout the series. I want to take our discussion from last week, which was about leading with distinction. If you haven't had a chance to hear that, please go back and check it out. But I want to take it a little deeper and focus on a specific type of leadership. It actually comes from a certain person. So one of my favorite basketball players is Kobe Bryant and something that he has called Mamba mentality. And it really speaks to different things, not only just how he plays the game of basketball, but also how he leads in it and being a leader on a team. For the next two episodes of Vantage Point, we're going to focus on Mamba mentality leadership. One thing about Mamba mentality leadership is being a student of leadership. This is where most leaders miss the mark. They become consumed with the day-to-day of leaning and maintaining a team or focusing on the day-to-day of the job that they're doing. They forget how to learn, study, and grow. One thing Kobe talks about is his approach to growth. And for us, we can look at this in three ways. First, leaders must study themselves. We must have the mentality that where I am now is not the finished product of the leader I can become. Leaders must know their strengths, their weaknesses, and everything in between. This isn't a boss or coworker telling you what's right and wrong. This is you. Yes, you, the leader, looking within yourself to understand what makes you tick and how you can become better. And let me be clear on something. This isn't about being the best shooter on the team or the best at data analysis or who can make the prettiest spreadsheet. Those are skills, and while they're important, they only allow you to do the job. Leaders are students who look beyond skills, and they focus on the nuances of leadership. There's no such thing as a perfect leader which means you can only be two types. You're either a progressing leader or you're a stagnant leader. Being a student of leadership means you improve daily and every day is an opportunity to become better. Later in his career, Kobe talked about how he knew his skills would leave him one day. He talked about speed and other attributes. And one thing he would say is the key to why he must study himself was based on he knew those skills would not last long, right? And so he focused on certain things like fundamentals and wisdom and things like that that actually allowed him to really progress his career and even evolve as a leader, mainly because he knew himself. Secondly, leaders must study a mentor. A leader has to have someone or a few people that they can go to, not in an attempt to be like that person, 
but someone they can bounce ideas off of, someone they can rely on that has most likely been where they're trying to go. You know, as a parent and, and me and my wife can attest, having kids that are teenagers now is, is a whole nother level of parenting, right? And one of the things that has come up lately in those teenage years is, you know, where are they getting advice from? Who are they listening to? Who's who's the person in their ear giving them direction? And a lot of times it is, well, I talked to my friend about that. You know, one thing that I always think about is, first of all, they're the same age as you, dealing with the same thing as you. And don't get me wrong. I know shared experiences can be advice, but the advice from someone who has gone before you is far different than the person sharing the experience with you. And leadership is the same way. I encourage leaders to find someone with more leadership experience than you. I have a specific mentor that I interact with on a monthly basis. He has 30 years of leadership experience that comes with, that includes, excuse me, a certain level of things that I haven't gone through. And so the key in that experience, he's able to share that with me and I'm able to learn from it and build on it. And and maybe in some cases avoid mistakes, but also be able to enhance my leadership earlier and then even maybe in a different way than he did. It's no secret that in Kobe's career, the player he went to the most was Michael Jordan. By the time Kobe entered the league, Jordan was on championship number four. MVPs and Defensive Player of the Years and Olympic medals sat on his trophy case. And Kobe knew where he wanted to go in his career and had the right mentor to gain that perspective on his journey. For us as leaders, you know, we need to have that same understanding that here's the path or here's the vision that I see from our leadership. Who can I go to or who can I connect with that can help me understand that journey, understand that path to my leadership? The third aspect of being a student of leadership is focusing on others. From a sports perspective, this makes total sense. Coaches and players study game film all the time. They look at every nuance of their opponent to make sure they're ready for the next game. For us leaders, this can be done in a few different ways. The first way is your team. As leaders, we often fail to take the time and understand our teams because we're too focused on the bottom line or what a report says or what a boss thinks or says as well. And the best way to really motivate and inspire people is taking the time to understand them. One job I absolutely love was coaching high school basketball. I had no idea how much I enjoyed that until I coached. I played in high school and was all right, but coaching brought out another level of competition, focus, drive, and passion in me. I I even remember my first team. I was a sophomore boys basketball coach at Creek Money High School, and my team had already been written off since their freshman year when they only won three games. When I took the team, I wanted to understand who they were and how they felt about themselves. And it was no surprise they believed in themselves. They just needed a coach that believed in them, too. Every practice, I'd watch them compete. And yeah, they made mistakes, but they were always open and willing to learn from those mistakes. We finished that season 12 and 15. I was able to learn so much about them during that season. And that theory works the same in business. If you lead people, whether it's a call center or a church or even on Wall Street, I want you to ask yourself this question. When was the last time you took a moment to study your people? Ask them how they're doing, not at work, but in general. Studying for this lesson, I found two very interesting facts from a study a few years back. It said 87% of workers worldwide are emotionally disconnected from work. And we have to ask ourselves the questions, if they're disconnected at work, what are they connected to? What issues are they going through? What, what things are distracting them from performing to the best of their ability? Another fact is unhappy workers are 10% less productive. And so if you take those two facts together, 
you know, I'm not asking leaders to go be counselors. What I'm what I am asking is, can we be invested in understanding our people? Because we get so focused on other things. But if we take the time to focus on the right thing and really study our people, we have the ability to unlock some potential in them that actually would maximize what they're doing for us. So how does Jesus fit into all this? You know, I talked about it last week and said the whole point of this series, Masterclass, right? Lessons in Leadership, is that we're going to continually look at Jesus and how does he fit in each of these topics that we're talking about. And even though Kobe was thousands of years after Jesus and the whole theory of Mamba mentality didn't exist then, I think we can take the next two lessons and we're going to be able to connect them to some things with Jesus. And so when we talk about studying ourselves, right, Jesus understood himself. One example of this is Jesus in the temple at the age of 12. One thing about understanding yourself is knowing where you need to be. Jesus knew his destination and knew he could not ignore the the obedience to God that he had to be in that temple. Luke chapter 2, verses 46 and 47 read, After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone was amazed at his understanding and his answers. I mean, this is like the original home alone, right? Jesus is there three days. They don't know where he is. They rush back. And then in verse 49, you know, Jesus answers them. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I already had to be in my father's house? The Bible says in verse 50, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus was telling them, I I know me. I know where I need to be. You might not know, but I know. And you want me to be out there being this regular person or this regular leader but I know I need to be in here among the teachers. I need to be among the religious leaders. I need to be among people that are going to help me set myself apart when I get to my ministry, when I get to my purpose, when I get to my position. Jesus also knew the importance of mentoring. Before he even began his ministry, many theologians believe that John the Baptist was his mentor. And more than a precursor to Jesus, John actually helped him prepare for his ministry. And we know God was with Jesus, but John served as an earthly mentor that Jesus was able to watch intently and study. Some scholars say that Jesus was actually a disciple of John, studying under him until the moment of his baptism. What we do know is that Jesus understood the importance of mentoring, and this would allow him to understand people as he moved into his ministry. Jesus shows us the importance of being a student of leadership. He knew himself, he leveraged his mentor, and he studied people. And as a result, we're able to see the fruits of his study lived out in his ministry. And Luke chapter 2, verse 52 sums up the fruit received from studying. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. Last week, we kicked off part two of our series with Mamba Mentality. We talked about how leaders are students of leadership. We focused on three areas, studying themselves, studying a mentor, and studying others. This week, our focus is still on Mamba Mentality Leadership, and it will add a little more context to the topic. I want to focus on three more areas that define Mamba Mentality Leadership. I believe exercising these areas in your leadership will take you and your team to new heights. The first area I want to talk about is challenging your people past their point of comfort. Two things play a major part in taking your team past their comfort zone. The first is what we talked about last week. In order to take them past their comfort zone, you must understand where they are in terms of that comfort. In studying your people, you're able to pinpoint specific aspects of their comfort. More importantly, you as a leader are able to identify what makes them uncomfortable. This could be handling a task they've never done before or leading a small discussion with your team. 
We talked about comfort zone in our first series, and one thing that holds true is the more you step away from your safe zone, the more you grow. Another thing to remember is that baby steps are better than nothing. Sometimes leaders, we, we believe that we have to make giant leaps out of our comfort zone. The truth is, people often don't operate that way. So the best way to begin pushing people out of their comfort zone is by taking incremental steps. I remember playing basketball growing up, and the one thing I believe that cost me my NBA career was my inability to do anything with my right hand. So I'm left-handed, so everything I did was to the left. I drove to the basket to the left. I dribbled with my left. By the time I got to high school, I was forced to go right. And it started with little things like layup drills, focusing on both sides of the basket, dribbling up and down the court with both hands. And if I'm honest, it was not comfortable at all to dribble with my right hand. But it was taking those incremental steps that built my confidence up and allowed me to go from dribbling, standing still with my right hand, to dribbling, walking with my right hand, to eventually running and dribbling with my right hand. It never quite looked the smoothest, but it was steps taken out of what was natural. You might be wondering, why hasn't your team performed to your expectation? I would ask the question, have you pushed them out of their comfort? Have you done something that is different than what they're accustomed to? One thing I do with my team is I set goals higher than our target. Some people call them aspiration goals or stretch goals, but I look at them differently. I want my teams to understand that what sets us apart is not meeting a goal. It is exceeding the goal that ultimately gives us that distinctive piece of our leadership. And I want them to not only understand that exceeding the goal is important, but that when we exceed that goal, that's us going from good to great. As we push our teams past their comfort zone, another area to understand is don't fear the unorthodox. As leaders, we sometimes get stuck in the box of things we do to coach and develop our team. A big reason for this is we're in a mindset that, you know what, it worked before, so it'll keep working. And while that might be true to some degree and what brought success before could bring it again, the one question I would ask is what kind of success do you want the second time around? Just like taking people out of their comfort zone, unorthodox ideas don't have to be major. Being unorthodox could be having a meeting in a coffee shop rather than a conference room that you do every week or creating special and fun awards for your team. One way I did this was allowing my managers to dictate the frequency in which they saw me for development. Traditionally, an unwritten rule was we have to meet every week and we have to take that time to discuss. It has to be for an hour. And whether you had something to talk about or not, we found something to talk about. And on one hand, I thought, if they all want to meet with me monthly, how will I stay on task and get things done if I don't meet with them on a regular basis? And so that was me stepping out of that comfort and stepping into some big unorthodox idea. And another fear was, what if they don't want anything from me? And so now my, my insecurity as a leader comes out. But to my delight, every leader chose what I thought they would choose based on where they were in the development. Some wanted weekly meetings, while others wanted every other week, and a few wanted monthly. Kobe talks about Phil Jackson's approach to coaching. Kobe said he only thought about basketball from a tactical standpoint, meaning fundamentals and execution. But when Phil Jackson became his coach, he said Phil brought a spiritual mindfulness to the game. This allowed him to elevate his game beyond his ego, and Kobe believes this approach began to separate him from other players. When we begin to leverage unorthodox methods in our leadership, we create new ways to lead. This allows us to break tradition and bring in new patterns, not only for the people around us, but for us as leaders. It is a way that we step out of our comfort of leadership and into new levels of success. When we push our people past comfort and unleash unorthodox method, the next thing we need to understand is you might be disliked sometimes. And for many leaders, this is the last thing you wanted to hear, but it's true. Not every decision you make or idea you bring will be popular to those around you. 
You may even have moments where your people are flat out disgusted with you. And it's okay, you can breathe. That is part of leadership. A quote by Andrew Hill reads, a great leader cannot worry about being well-liked. If our focus is to be liked, we only focus on doing what others want and not what we may feel will bring success or what even God is telling us to do. This does not mean you don't listen as a leader and you don't get an understanding of your people. Even with that understanding and knowledge, a leader may have to make a decision or implement a process that isn't like. I read an article and it mentioned three truths of leadership. The first is if you focus on being liked, you won't lead. In the first point, I mentioned how we must push people past their comfort. You must believe the people you are responsible for will not reach their destination without your leadership. You were placed there for a purpose and it's up to you to lead them. This places a tough choice on you as a leader. You're either going to focus on leading people or you're going to focus on being liked. Second, you'll have to endure seasons of being misunderstood. Not everyone will fully understand your vision. Not everyone will jump on board the minute you say something or give direction. Your motives, strategies, and skills will be questioned. This is not the moment to fold and end the effort, nor is it the moment to take on a me-against-the-world mentality. As leaders, we test our motives and we ask ourselves, is our direction for us or is it for the greater good and success of the people around me? One way to minimize this is to explain the why behind an effort. Many employees want to know why something is happening. This helps alleviate concerns of change and allows them to gain a better understanding of it. Now, it may not fully erase their doubts and questions, but it at least creates a sense of security and begins to give them the comfort that they need to step out of that comfort. And third, you can lead and still be likable. One quote from the article reads, effective leaders act in a likable way, but aren't concerned with being liked. As leaders, we don't abandon things like humility and kindness and grace. We can still be effective in our jobs and still have compassion and humility. And these characteristics and, and many more is what makes us likable. Leading will require tough decisions, but those tough decisions is what brings success. I remember early on in my leadership, I always wanted to be liked. When I ran a restaurant, I wanted to make sure I gave the best schedules to everybody that made them happy, which typically meant I closed or I worked the hours or worked the long weekends that nobody wanted to do. And I often went with employees' ideas and I felt that bit of frustration. I would immediately change my plans based on their frustrations or based on their reaction. What I learned over time is that true leadership is a different thought process. When I made a decision to not be concerned with people liking me, I was able to flourish as a leader. Having certain conversations should not be easy, but they are necessary to reach the vision and goals you have set out. One thing that Jesus did that we can add to this lesson is he pushed his disciples. They were able to see Jesus lead. As he invited them to join him, they began watching him serve others. They were able to see his focus, his love, and compassion toward others. As they watched more, Jesus took them to the point of stepping out of their comfort and had them go out and do what he had shown them. In Luke chapters 9 and 10, Jesus sends out his disciples, giving them specific instructions on how to deal with both hospitable and not welcoming people. This act pushed them out of their comfort zone and provided them an opportunity to build skills. Even Jesus asking his disciples to join him and walk with him and, and do what he's going to do was another way that he pushed them out of their comfort because they were fishermen or tax collectors or, or other things, and they were able to step into something that they had never done before and impact the world in a great way. Another way Jesus fits is how he taught. Jesus didn't always teach in the traditional sense that the religious leaders taught with. Many would say his teaching was somewhat unorthodox. One way Jesus taught was through parables. This gave people a practical view of his teachings by connecting them to things they could relate to. Parables did not define things precisely, but they contained comparisons that point us in the direction of understanding how God works. Parables go beyond practical ideology 
and challenges us to go deeper in our understanding. Another way Jesus was unorthodox is that he asked questions. Many of us feel that in order to teach, we have to talk more. Jesus shows us that through asking questions, our people can gain an understanding of what we're trying to say. Questions are a strong teaching method because they bring out critical thinking and provide it an opportunity for dialogue to be established. There were also moments where Jesus wasn't liked. Although his number of supporters grew, his number of haters and doubters seemed to grow faster. Things he did never sat well with religious leaders, how he healed people, or even performed miracles. They condemned him for it and ultimately plotted his death. Now, I'm not saying your, your people are going to plot your death, but Jesus didn't concern himself with being liked. He focused on being righteous. The key thing to remember is Jesus stood for something that was bigger than him. He stood for the kingdom of heaven, truth, repentance, salvation, forgiveness, and hope. He came to tell the truth, to heal the sick and the wounded, and to save lives. If that meant he would have to step on toes, shake up the status quo, and take some people off, so be it. I want to challenge every leader and aspiring leader to reflect on your personal philosophy of leadership. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Am I pushing myself and my people out of their comfort zone? Am I locked into traditional methods to drive results? Am I less focused on being like? If the answers to those questions are no, you may need to reevaluate your leadership. If you haven't already, you may find yourself in a rut or stuck in comfort leading people. If the answers are yes, then you're taking the right steps to set your leadership apart from those around you. I want to leave you with this quote from Kobe about leadership. He says, the topic of leadership is a touchy one. A lot of leaders fail because they don't have the bravery to touch that nerve or strike that chord. Throughout my years, I haven't had that fear. We have to be leaders that are brave to step into unknown territory. That is not only leadership, but it's Mamba mentality leadership. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Get connected by following us on Facebook at Vantage Point Podcast. Have a question or want to give feedback? Click the send email button to share your thoughts with Nick. We'll see you next week on Vantage Point.